Hello and welcome to Side Characters, a podcast about diversity and nerd culture. I'm Jordan. I'm Leah. <laughs> yeah, you are. I am. Um, we're getting, we're getting yeah. amped up. Oh, jeez. I'm not old or yeah, anything. Yeah, that, that's what that's what you call that. Getting amped up. We'll see. Um, guys, guys, so Leah is old. That's that's what we're discovering today. Le- Leah, you know that I'm older than you, right? Doesn't matter. I'm old. You, you under you you understand that I am the older one. That, in this I don't understand. That doesn't matter. Old is a state of being. Yeah, and I look, look at me. I'm young at heart. I'm yeah, spry. I'm yeah, my yeah. And you're not under a situation that is four years of external stress that pum- pummels you into a pulp. Thus, I am officially older than you because I'm under more stress at the moment. Leah, I have major depression anyways <laughs> so today's episode i have 30 years of major stress pummeling me down um so today's episode we're gonna talk about the tv show our flag means death you know the one that came out last year that we were supposed to yeah. record and talk about a, a long time ago but um yeah that's the one where like i was living my life nice and quiet things were going fine i was enjoying yeah. things i was not really watching any media last no. year because last year was just a slog of it. And they, then Leo's like, hey, I really like this show. You need to watch this because we're doing an episode of this. You have no choice. Yeah. And this months one. later, here we are recording this. Yeah. Also, yeah. Yeah. So largely, I think that the, part of this isn't my fault that we're recording it so right. But also is my fault the fact that we're still recording this even though it's like eight months after the fact the TV shows come out. Because I'm like, I don't care. I don't care if everybody's seen it now. We're still recording it because I love the show. That's kind of the point is that people watch the show. Now we're recording to talk about it. Yeah. I think that's like. But also like sometimes we do try and aim for slight relevance. And we miss that window heartily. But it's fine. It's. There's no such thing as relevance in a world of the internet. Like relevance is relative. Mm. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because you can watch the show whenever because it exists on the internet. It's not like back in the day where like you only had a small window to watch a show because it was only ever on at a certain time. And then after it completely aired, they took it off, never again to show it again. Mm. Yeah. Relative. Relevance is relative. Yeah. So weird. Oh, wait, we talking about Westworld on HBO? What? <laughs> No, we're not ever. Leah, look, I want you to understand this. We are never, ever going to talk about Westworld. No, I was making a joke of the fact that Westworld was removed from HBO. I I understand what you're saying. Uh I I, I got your joke. Right. But we're never, we are never going to talk about Westworld. We're never going to talk about House of the Dragon ever. Why? Even if it's like one of the most diverse TV shows, because I don't care about houses or dragons. The Targaryens can go screw. Anyways, Leah, let's let's talk about the topic at hand. Our flag means death. Yeah, yeah. This is first of all, what is it? Yeah. And why did you force me to watch? My this God, show? anybody who doesn't Gun know, point. which pretty much all the people who watch listen to this podcast, and I don't watch it, they listen to it, probably were forced to watch the show at gunpoint by me. Um, yeah, even the viewers, that's uh, right, even the listeners, see, I'm doing yeah, it too. Even the listeners who don't really know you were actually forced at good boy. Like, yeah, we much. do get random listeners that are like, oh my gosh, who's this person this in my person house? Mug- this person put a gun to my head and said, go home, we're watching, we're watching our flag means death. Um, so basically. Do, do you want to get shot? <laughs> yeah, so basically, let me tell you, I have like a pitch 
for like a one sentence pitch for the show because it's hard to describe this show in in one word. But it's that it starts off as as a silly little pirate show and then it turns into the most epic queer love story you'll ever watch. <laughs> um longer than that though if you want longer than that it's a like it's like a pseudo historical not actually really based on historical but the characters are supposedly exist in real life uh story of steed bonnet the gentleman pirate and then later on um uh, blackbeard and the time that they sailed together um in the caribbean as pirates and yeah, but it's mainly about Steed and his crew and Blackbeard and his crew. So, and what ends up happening as you, you know, it's like, it's like, I don't want to spoil it, but also you're going to be spoiled anyways to the fact that Steed. I was going to say, you're going to be spoiled during this episode since we were talking I know. in depth about the show. So I know. Say your, say your bit. So over the course of the episode, starting at about episode five, Blackbeard's on the ship with them and Blackbeard and Steed Bonnet fall in love and kiss and then at the yeah then stuff happens yep. so i'm gonna take my shot at describing this show in like like, like one sentence as leah leah tried to do yeah so i'm gonna say it is the liberal agenda come to life yeah that's a good yeah, one that, that, that's that, that's, that, pretty, that's good. pretty good that's pretty good <laughs> Yeah, it's it's the um, embodiment of the liberal agenda. Um, it's you know, there's the... gay pirates, there's black people, there's um, diversity, all that stuff. They make fun of rich people. It's great. It's yeah. the antithesis of Super Hulock. Yeah. What? Super Hulock. Oh, yeah. Nope, nope. I, 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 I Anybody? Get yeah, yes. well, we yes. have to describe mm-hmm. for yep. the viewers at home. Super Hulock was like the Tumblr culture of mid of 2013, basically, that was like uh supernatural uh doctor who and uh sherlock and the queer baiting that is those shows which we'll get into that later and so it's the opposite of that yeah subverting yeah, I mean, yeah we'll, we'll get into queer baiting we might even we, we do we have an episode yeah. planned for queer baiting yeah. itself okay yeah we'll we'll even do an episode of queer baiting because it annoys me yeah um anyways so I guess that was that technically the short recap of this. Yeah, that was the short series? recap. Yeah. Okay, so liberal agenda and then pirates who fall in love. Yeah, is comedy starts as a comedy and then pirates. Comedy. Yeah. Yeah, it's not. It's not a drama. It's, it's not like no, super it's, serious. It's actually real. It's really fun. It's it really starts like, hard like throughout. up until episode five. It is a very different show. It's like definitely like a comedy in the veins of um anything that Reese Darby has been in who is who plays Steve Bonnet so like anything like Flight of the Concords uh, what we do in the shadows like all that shit it's that type of comedy to start with and then it shifts yeah yeah and then, and then it shifts and then it becomes more yeah but yeah and then it becomes more about the liberals yeah um, so yeah, Leah, what are your overall thoughts of the series? I think, you know, I think you're you going to be the go one who leads most of this. You should go first no. on that one. Why? You okay, should go my first. Thoughts? Yeah, what are your thoughts? My, my you, thoughts? I, <laughs> did you like the show? Yeah, I like the show. I enjoy the show. I enjoy watching it. I mean, I watched half of it on an airplane. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I enjoyed the show. And I think the, the thing is, Leah, this is, this is, goes beyond the show. And I think this kind of goes, with some of the other things we've talked about in the last, you know, 
year is I'm not the biggest fan of comedy. Yeah. And so when it comes to watching a comedy show, especially like one such as this, this is never ever going to be my go-to. And that's perfectly okay. That's perfect. But I, I like the show. I liked what they did with the characters. I liked the characters that were presented. I like the way that they presented, as we're going to talk about later, queer characters as well as the black characters. And um, just the different ways that they created comedy without ever being, I guess, offensive or... um. Duh. I was going to say or annoying, but there, there was a few moments where I was annoyed. Um, but, you know, that's just me. Like I said, I don't like comedy that much. Yeah. I like shock comedy. This isn't shock comedy. Which is funny because that's <laughs> like the opposite of what I, what I like. I, I, this was, this was my favorite show of 2022. This was, this is probably one of my favorite shows of all time. I am contemplating getting a tattoo based on this show. That is how much I like this show. I uh, I I really fucking like this show. Uh, it, I talked about it nonstop for several months. I rewatched yes, Leah, it. I know. I yes, I know. I'm telling the audience. I rewatched it three times in the span of a month. Um, it was. I told everyone I knew about it. I, ca- I think I convinced six people to watch it, which was pretty, that's pretty good for me. Um, yeah, it, I loved everything about it. I, I, I really don't like humiliation comedy and that was not present, yeah. present in the show at all. I thought like the comedy, if it had stayed the comedy it is at the beginning, I probably wouldn't have enjoyed the entire show. But after the first episode, it shifted into its own thing that was very much my cup of tea. And then the numerous queer couples and romance aspect of it just tickled my fancy, like filled an itch that was necessary in my brain and just turned into just not mind numbing brain rot. Um, I am a member of the Our Flag Means Death fandom. Yeah. I'm desperately waiting for season two to come out and hope that HBO Max doesn't fucking can it like they did with Minx and a bunch of other ones. Yeah. Yep. This show became my life. So, Leah, we finished while you... Overall thoughts. Also, like, what? who are your favorite characters? Because I have my hand full. I made a joke in our notes, but, like, who... who I went first. You get to go first. Who oh, are your favorite uh, characters God. That's such show? a hard hard question because i really like like all of them um i really the first person who initially comes to head is lucius i love i love like the unique relationship that he has with the crew and the fact of like that he is unapologetically who he is like who doesn't love his line he's like Oh, like, what was it? Oh, I don't, I, like, I'm not cute, but I carry myself like I am or something like that. You know, like something, I can't even remember what it was. But yeah, he's just like, great. He's not dead. I refuse to say that he is dead. He is not dead. He cannot be dead. Um, Yeah, I really like him. I, of course, love Ed and everything that is Ed, who doesn't like Taika Waititi in leather. He is gender envy <laughs> incarnate. Um, I also, yeah, 
really like Frenchie. Frenchie's great. Yeah. Yeah. That's, 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 those are my faves. I li- like, I like them all, but those are my faves. Yeah, I, I was, I mean, you already know who my favorite character is because you know me as a person. Oh, yeah, but, absolutely. Um, I Joe's favorite character is the seat. You, okay, who's my favorite character? Please guess. Well, so it's a tie between uh, Oluwande and Jim. Okay. So I okay, was no, like, you, Jim, you, were, you were right the first one. <laughs> yeah, Jim is the one who I was like, Jordan's going to want to be Jim, but his favorite will be Oluwande. I don't know about that. Oluwande because he's my... <clears throat> My Negro. Um, <laughs> anyways, uh, my other favorite character is the Seagull because um, of all the characters of the show, I think the Seagull had the most character progression and the most um, development and I think the most behind-the-scenes screen time. We see all of them on the screen a lot, but the Seagull is the one that is a lot in the back of the um, scenes a lot, and I think that's really good to have with the character. Yeah. That fits but though. all jokes aside, that was a very long bit. I was waiting for Leah to stop me. But all jokes aside, Owande is my favorite character. Just be, just we'll get to this also later. But um, I I do like how the black character, well, his, him as the black character, was presented in a way that they made jokes around him being black, but never jokes at him being black. I feel like you also really like Spanish Jackie too, right? Yeah. Yeah. Spanish but that, that's more based off of um, her as an actor rather than just the character alone. Mm. Spanish Jackie is an actor. Because is Sp- Spanish Jackie was My noses. A, a surprise. Was, her acting as Spanish Jackie was a surprise to me because the way that she has been typecasted and presented in other movies and media is not at all like that. They usually do her as the screaming black woman, but they made a very good character with Spanish Jackie, and I really appreciate it. Wait, that. you didn't say who the actress was. You should tell people who the actress was. Leslie Jones, yeah, right? That's yeah. her last name? Just because. Leslie Jones. Because we, because I know, because I basically know and follow most of these I, actors. I didn't say because I couldn't remember her last name. I was like, I know it's Leslie. Is it Leslie? It's not yeah. Leslie Nielsen. That's a completely different human That's being. That's a completely different <laughs> human being. Yeah, but Leslie Jones, yeah, um, of Saturday Night Live fame. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Well, yeah, so. she she was in this as a character, and she wasn't the screaming black woman, and I very much appreciated that. My noses. This is this is the episode where you'll get Leo quoting random lines from the TV. Yes, show. and you know I'm fine with that. Yeah, <laughs> we we will talk about this later. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, uh, Leah, favorite moments. <laughs> you should go first. I went first in the last one. Okay. <laughs> I feel like that's just going to be the theme of this episode. Say the topic. Okay, you should go first. I went first last time. Wow. No, you should. It makes sense because mine <laughs> is like momentous. Yeah, uh, my I really liked. Um, it was episode two. So what happens is they end up on this island and they lose some prisoners. And so what happens is they go to look for them, but they're captured by some indigenous people of this island and kind of the bit slash punchline of that is they capture all of the white pirates and um, prisoners and they put them like in cages all this but the one black guy they like leave him out and they like basically treat him like family because you know minorities and white people screw up everything else so yeah. like here it have your chance to just like <laughs> to just live normally because yeah we have no issue with you yeah. and yeah. it was very funny like Olande Olande is just like drinking out of a coconut having a good time and all the other people are like miserable in cages i thought that was just a I, very 
very funny bit. Before this episode, I did rewatch that clip because I was watching someone talking about that. And he he goes, they're like, they made you a drink? And he's like, oh, yeah, it's really good. It's like coconut and shit. And he's like, here, you want to try it? And the guy and the and the indigenous guy goes, <laughs> yeah. no, no, no. <laughs> like with no, his no, hand is like, me. you know, through body language alone is like, nah, they don't get one. <laughs> Yeah, it's like that not for them. That that was that was very funny. It's like like this idea that's presented a lot in other media is like that, like, you know, minorities will always be fighting each other. But like the thing that we see more often not even do reflected in real life is that minorities stick together, especially when it comes to um I apologize for saying this, shitty white people. Mm-hmm. Um, no, it's and true. I just like that moment. It's true. Moment where it's just like, oh yeah, we're gonna capture all of them, but we have no issue with you. You're cool. Here, here's a coconut drink. Let, let's chill. Mm-hmm. And then the um, other episode, I think it's episode. I think that's five. Five or five six. Five or six. Yeah. Yeah. yeah um, the pyramid six. scheme episode oh, yeah, where cool. they're on a boat with a bunch of rich people who again treat you know all the minorities like trash, but then like the um, Frenchie and Olande basically come up with the this scam and it's like oh yeah we have this um treasure here if you pay for this all the-. basically it boils down to a pyramid scheme the it's first a literal scheme it's a literal very, pyramid very scheme oh yeah it's yeah the treasure in a pyramid we have this yeah. pyramid and all of this so, yeah it, it was it was very funny yeah and like i said it's the thing of like making jokes with the black characters rather than at the black yeah. characters. Yeah. And the people right. on that ship were awful human beings. And so yeah. it was just a great moment. And then at the end they give away the money to the to the minorities who who are working as staff or staff on that ship. Like so, yeah, yeah. It was great. It was a great moment. Now, we're going to talk about my favorite scene, which is probably I happen to say one of the most well thought out cinematography scenes I've ever seen. Like who the the person who chose the music paired it so well with how it was shot and it was just beautiful. And it's the end of episode eight where they are like in a trap and the English come and take over the ship and it's done to the sound of uh, Fleetwood Mac's. Um, uh, 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 oh God, what is the name of the song? I listened to it. It was literally my top. Unchained, unchained something. Break the chain. Break I don't the remember chain. the title of the song. I can't. No, I don't remember. The we need to look it up. Can you look it up for me? Yes, last, it was yes, literally last. in my top ten last year. So I'm like, I don't understand why I can't remember it, but it's probably because I'm tired and stressed. The um, chain, it is just. It's called, called the chain. chain. Sorry. So it was set to the. Uh, it was set to the chain, and it's like in slow motion them getting captured and like everybody being knocked to the deck, and it's beautifully done. Like even if you don't watch the show, just watch that scene. So at the end of the scene, basically they're on the deck of the ship captured and steeds there face down on the deck and someone flops down next to him and it's blackbeard and blackbeard at this point had been off the ship because his like ex-friend like stole him away type thing to get him out of there and uh he turns to him and they're looking at each other like tied up on the deck and he says you came back 
and he's in Blackbeard in a very Blackbeard way, says never left. And then it like zooms out with the song fading and they're just the tips, like they're both their shoes get closer to each other and just the tips of their shoes touch. <laughs> just the tips, man. You gotta have a better way of saying Just that. the like pointy end of their shoes where their toes i don't know what you would call uh, the are they just, just, like you could have just said just their shoes touch like just, just their just shoes the it is shoes. yeah the just the, the edge of their touch. shoes touch kind of like you tip. know imagine it like the pride and prejudice hand flexing scene but it's like it, rather than hand holding it was just these the shoes and it's devastating um, because this, there's been this whole, like, will they, won't they this entire time. And still at this point, you don't know if they will. And it kind of goes into that, like, we're, we, the queer matingness of this. And so it was a beautifully done scene. It was so well done. That was, that was amazing. Also, the scene, my other one that I really, I like, I like most of them. Like, I can describe you 90% of the scenes in the show. The other one I really like is Steed and Mary talking about um, their relationship at the end and Mm -hmm. him admitting that he is in love with someone and he's in love with a man and (gasps) having like that, having like that moment of like, because Steed has been very naive most of the show and, and him like being definite about something is rare. So Yeah. Those those moments, I I we love romance. We know this. Leah loves romance, and this was done so well. Leah loves romance. Jordan's mostly okay with it. Yeah, just a, a passive watcher of romance. I yeah, don't. Hey, I I think even feelings J- neither here nor there. I think <laughs> J- even Jordan would admit that the music set to that like set to that sequence was done beautifully. Like, yeah, it was done well. Yeah. yeah. Anyways. Yeah. Those are my favorite moments. I have no strong feelings either here nor there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's good. Um, so, yeah, we we had our fun up top, Leah, where yeah. we talked about something. It's great. We talked about our favorite moments and all yeah. that. Um, another favorite moment of mine really quick is when the seagull gets his revenge. Um, oh, that's yeah. That's, that's a good time. Like, again, it, it sounds like a big joke, but the a seagull hex. was was a character in this show and it was very with funny buttons, the way it was played with bu- out. buttons yes and buttons was in the nude soaking up the moonlight yes uh that was the thing but <laughs> yeah there are a bunch Ooh, of leah's, leah's reliving her, her glory days yeah <laughs> there like, are, oh man all this stuff <laughs> but there's also like there's a bunch of themes in this show and i personally think the number one is the sh- entire show is about subverting expectations that is that is the number one theme in this show is being like fuck you to all the people who are like this is how you do a show we're gonna do a show differently and uh, and i think that's to be appreciated david david jenkins did a amazing job with that and all his team did an amazing job but let's talk about the first one well along along the lines with that i think like subverting expectations but also just the idea that a story doesn't have to play out as certain people decide that stories have to play out like we don't have to have we don't have to stereotype certain characters we don't have to um have romances play out in specific ways or show what, um, I guess, what is defined as a man in specific ways. We can just completely create a story not based off of what others 
decide that story should be based off of and I, yeah. I think that's very interesting to see throughout um so i think the first theme that kind of stuck out to me again <laughs> watching a lot of shows i i view i look for very specific things watching shows being being a black man um and especially a show that is set in a time period when black people were not treated as human um and then yet the show still has black characters i look at how these characters are played out and how these relationships are played out and sometimes either they just won't have black characters in it and if they do they either don't acknowledge these issues or they are over the top and way too ham-fisted with some of these issues and so when i'm looking at a show set in whatever what 1800s before that i don't yeah um yeah we look at the themes of like colonialism and racism and i think that the show did do a really good job of navigating the colonialism like in in and racism and then sticking to that this is a comedy show, but not, like I said, ever making a joke out of the these characters, but making a joke like using these characters. Yeah. And I think that they um, didn't ignore the ideas of racism, especially in that pyramid scheme episode. They kind of confronted some of this stuff and show that um, white people will try to take advantage of others based off their looks, but... Also, these same types of people can easily be defended against and, you know, tricked into whatever. But I, I, I like the way that yeah. they, they presented those things. And I, I also like the way that the these characters weren't defined. Like, they were part of the crew. It wasn't just like, oh, yeah, here's the our black slaves on this shit. But they were part of the crew. And they weren't yeah. really defined by the race. But their race was present throughout. That was part of, yeah, damn it. I was, I was like, oh, that would be a good part. No, yeah. Because oh, we both have the exact same things to say on this point of uh, that. I completely agree that basically like a lot of what a lot of movies and stuff do when they have time periods, not just either ignoring it or not including people of those things in that. What they do is they have those people be defined like it is about that. It is about the fact that people yes. who are in these time periods or post, like, pre-civil rights, even though civil rights still happening, whatever, um, colonialism still a thing, not changed, uh, is that they are defined by those experiences. That is all they are. All they are is trauma related to slavery. That is it. That is all they are allowed to be there, not allowed to have experiences outside of that or divorced from that. And, like, this show doesn't do that there's the interactions between the crew and they all treat each other the exact same way and like like one of the things that i i think people don't acknowledge is the fact is that when izzy hands is being a fucking shithead at the near the end of the show they're like well the only person who can be captain is olawande like literally that's the only option and mm. and like that wouldn't have happened on any other show because but also Oluwande is the smartest man on that boat <laughs> like he is the most put together human being so it may like it makes sense because we know them as a character and we know who they are as an existence they are just they are not just the black man you know so yeah. they're yeah so that's which I I just love it I love it so much because mm. yeah there are a bunch of people who have like said that 
it doesn't have like it doesn't include racism but it's like no it's just that it's not defined by that like people did yeah. existed within and outside of that yeah you can have stories with black characters and even like highlight on race without that being the main point of the story because like look man we constantly are highlighting race every single time we have a black character in a show sometimes we could just like make a couple bits about it and then continue on it doesn't have to be the whole the whole i'm glad that the whole point of our flag beats death wasn't like about racism it's like thank wow. you i'm glad yeah. we could have this, these characters all this shit it's like not every episode they're in is about the race I'm like cool no, glad it's about, to see it we, it's we about to see the, it it's about the interpersonal relationships which is like yeah. hello those are the experiences that most of our lives are all around anyways the so we probably the best thing about this show is that like it is lgbt heaven <laughs> there are three queer couples canon couples in this show there is there is lucius and black pete there's jim who is non-binary and olawande and there's ed and steed ed being blackbeard edward teach and steed bonnet um yeah. and all of them are canon and it's beautiful um and yeah it's such a it's yeah it's pretty great it's pretty um, great. well i think the thing to say about it is like that we we huh, a lot of times media and i'm basing my knowledge based off most of the prime time and also cw shows that i have seen a lot of times when we have queer relationships it's it's a lot of queer baiting, which we'll get to in a second, but it's a lot of like hinted at, or if they are in it, they are very, very, very sub side characters. It's not usually the main plot, or that um, a character, a main character, can be in a queer relationship, but then the partner of that character is like non existent or doesn't have their own personality throughout the show, yeah. only with being in the relationship and i think that they did a good job at making these relationships not just be side things but like one of them well most of them being the main point and two not being ever being jokes it's being very like that's part of the show that's part of the characters it's not like oh my god that character is queer oh type of thing that you see in a lot of shows and also a lot of anime but they they were represented they were Relationships that were represented well, relationships that were in the forefront, not just background things. I think that was the most yeah. important part about it. Yeah. Well, there's, there's a couple things. Like, one of the things that I, I loved about this, too, was that, and I think I remember David Jenkins talking about this, is that, like, they realized that they were playing into rom-com tropes. Yeah. And they just gave into it. Rather than following the storyline, which we'll say with queer baiting, like following that storyline of doing that, no, they gave into it and then said, haha, we are using stereotypes that are used in rom coms frequently and and being like, no, we're just we're just gonna keep with them because also that is incredibly satisfying. Like tropes are what we use in romance and that's fine and that's okay but it, we're also allowed to use them with queer stories too and they did diverse queer stories for the romance side but also like let's talk about jim for a second like jim's great jim at the beginning of the show was someone was 
presents as female person in hiding as a man. That's what it was. On the run from basically Spanish Jackie for having killed one of her husbands. Mm -hmm. And then they found out that Jim was feminine presenting. But Jim basically said, nah, I'm not that person anymore. I'm just going to be called Jim. And they went, and then there was a little scene that was like, but women are, are like, what was it? It was like women are mermaids or something like that. And all cause like one of the guys who's super, super superstitious, who also has been proven to be very superstitious. And said like, cats have, have knives for claws and like, and eat your souls. Like that type of superstitious says something with that. And Jim's like, I'm not a mermaid. And then no one says anything ever again. And they switch to they, everybody switches to they. And it's just, like, such a funny moment because it is it is also, like, oh, Jim's coming out, but also not because it's totally about the fact that I think it's Frenchie is being superstitious and it's like, oh, there's a woman on the ship. And Jim's like, nah, I'm not a woman. It's fine. And everybody else is like, yeah, it's fine. <laughs> and then it's good. Like, it's not actually, like, a big, like, guys, I'm coming out scene. It's, it's, it's a... It's a scene. Uh, it's a scene that's done. Is just like now. Nah, this is how it's going to be, and everybody's like, "Yep, yep." <laughs> and it's more yeah. about the comedic moments with the superstition. Yeah, and again, it's presenting them as a character rather than presenting being queer and presenting these relations. All the stuff that happens as being like this. Um, don't can't think of the word there goes my brain but as it being like this very specific topic that's like oh my gosh we have to make this whole show about them having their coming out it's like this is just who this character is and it's not made into i can't think of how i'm trying to say this yeah, but yeah, it's, it's not made just into not a their defining characteristic because yeah, the it's, fact it's not is, their de- definition that's that's yeah Jim already Jim already had their defining characteristic. They're really fucking good with knives. Yeah. <laughs> They're really fucking good with knives. And that was the whole point is that just like Jim as a character, as a character defined in a TV show where you have to, in a TV show, have characters who have certain traits about them. That's how people remember them. Jim's was already defined. Jim was was quiet, had the thing going with Olawande, and was really fucking good with knives. <laughs> and that was yeah. it. And that you didn't need to do anything else. So, so. And, I, and I think that, I guess what I'm trying to say with the stuff is that a lot of times when we have diverse characters, they give them a singular personality. Like, here is the black guy. Here's the queer person. And I don't think that they ever did that with any of these characters. I don't think they ever made them very singular. I think they were all oh, yeah. multifaceted characters. There They're all super unique. Like even some They're of the side, yeah. like people who didn't have as much screen time, like all the Blackbeard's crew, super unique, super interesting. Like, and like Roach, the, you know, uh, uh, the Swede with his teeth falling out. Like each of them had moments that made them things. And it, and it, what this does with this different representation is that it allows for people to have those moments of saying, oh, yeah, that's amazing. Particularly like this just reminded me, I saw a video the other day on TikTok. There's this girl who's like, oh, my God, the the 
horse masters from the Riders of Rohan. This little girl is obsessed with them and like has a helmet and a sword and watches those scenes over and over again in the Lord of the Rings with the master horse riders. And people were saying over and over again, you need to tell her that in those movies, like 90% of those are women dressed as men because they didn't have enough. They couldn't find men who owned horses, could ride them and wield weapons. (laughs) They were all women. So they just dressed them up. And it's like, that's why it's important is this representation, because that little girl should know that the people who are looking so badass in those scenes are actually women. It's like, that's important. So. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, Leah. I think it's time to talk about queer baiting. <sighs> yeah. You know, it's funny because you had your fun. Now let's get upset. <laughs> I had. I had. You know, this would have been even like. I want to tell. I wish I could tell people that we drafted like a list of episodes to talk about, and three of those episodes, if we had done them then, which isn't either of, like, it's no one's fault, if we had done them then, we would have been ahead of the curve, including queer baiting, and that's why it also brings me frustration, is like, god damn it, we would have been ahead of everything if we had done that episode, <laughs> but it's fine. Um, let's talk about queer baiting, starting with the definition, because some, there's been a lot of... <sighs> there's been a lot of shit this past year that people don't understand what the fuck queer baiting is like actually people saying things are queer baiting and they're not queer baiting so we need to be clear as to what queer baiting is i mean very easily it's basically the same thing as like baiting a fish you show what you think that the fish likes well he he sees this worm he thinks he's this is food he likes he goes for it, and then you bait and switch it. you capture him and it's like oh yeah you aren't going to get what you want yeah so yeah <laughs> wikipedia i think is a good definition we have here queer baiting is a marketing technique for fiction and, and entertainment in which creators hint at but then do not depict same-sex romance or other lgbt plus representation the purpose is to attract bait an LGBT plus person or a straight ally audience with its suggestion or possibility of relationships or characters that appeal to them. This does not include real life people saying that because people fucking forced an 18 year old to come out against their choice this year. That is not queer baiting. Oh, that was a I wasn't expecting. It was a whole thing. They basically bullied an 18-year-old into saying, coming out. So, yeah. Queer baiting. It is a marketing yeah. technique for fiction. Yeah, this, this happens. So, like, based on, like, the fish analysis it said, it's like, they present, like, you know, like, oh, yeah, these two characters, they're probably going to be in a relationship. They'll do that. And so a bunch of people watch the show thinking, like, oh, hey, we're going to see the representation we want. And then... The series will end and you never get that. Instead, yeah. you sat there for hundreds of episodes seeing this play out again and again, but never getting there because, yeah, that, that's queer baiting. Or like having certain characters kiss that are not queer um, in order to like, you know, be like, hey, look at us. We're showing queer relationships when you're not really doing that. That's another form of queer baiting. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Yeah, and this is, like, that is what Super Who Lock was about, is that the, like, Sherlock, the show Sherlock, 100%, like, queer baiting, 
queer rating was strong with that show. There was multiple instances, like there's like people who have done in depth whatever about behind the scenes and the fact that it should have been queer and it wasn't. And they even played into it in the later seasons where they were like, hey, you know, people think that they're together, but they're not. And this was a whole thing. So, and part of what you're like, the experience that you, David Jenkins said with this and why it's like it plays out like it's going to be like you start as someone who has seen a lot of the things that are primary queer baiting shows it starts playing out that way you're like oh Blackbeard and Steed are getting closer like they're having moments and these moments are like tender and fall into rom-com tropes of like hello standing in the moon moonlight and saying like you look nice you look you wear fine things well like hello yeah there there are like things or even like where izzy hands is like listening to them do the like stabbing practice and it sounds like it's like like he's hearing like what would be not safe for work noises that's like traditional like queer baiting would stop at that those are the, the start, like, those are the things they put in queer baiting shows to, as, like, a, a tantalizing hint that they'll give you, like, once in a season versus this show, which was like, hey, yeah, when you put those things and then you just keep playing on those things, it's the exact same as a love story because the people are in love. Yep. And then it leads to this moment of when they do kiss. It's incredibly satisfying because especially if you're used to seeing it not be completed to this moment of, oh my God, they did it. Yeah. It's a good yeah. time. And to constantly have this happen where you have like shows present like very queer relationships and then are like, nah. But, and a lot of times it's because they don't, think that will sell or that will like um mm -hmm. what is it alienate their audience so they just don't the writers just well they'll just have the writers not put stuff like that in and it's just it's, it's upsetting but to see it like actually play out and like be a part of the show and not be queer baiting like have a queer relationship not be queer baiting in a show like this is it's good it's fun to see yeah. it's satisfying it was said. oh it was so satisfying it was like after certain satisfying. scenes, you start to ship certain characters, and then when it happens, like, oh, we aren't just getting our chains yanked. Interesting. <laughs> I just remember the moment where where they're out in the wilderness, which is another one of my favorite moments. I just remembered, which is um, Blackbeard and them doing on the treasure hunt, and Blackbeard when the snake falls out of the tree, and Blackbeard's like, "I fucking hate nature." I'm like, "That's mm. me. I I'm I'm that. That's my favorite moment." But no, when when they're around the campfire and Lucius is like, oh, my God, is this happening when they're having this like, you know, very like romantic talking about the like Blackbeard's bar and grill and then like, oh, you've got something in your beard moment. And Lucius is like, what is happening? That's the audience. They're playing the audience. They're saying Lucius is the audience having that moment with you where you're all going, is this happening? Like what? Oh, my God. And that's. That's that's the whole point is that it is. So, yeah, it's on purpose. They did it on purpose. They acknowledged it was on purpose because then it led into things in the future. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. Works out. It's great. Uh, next. Yeah. Next. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So one of the things that 
it's not really like a theme, but that I think is important to talk about is the relationship between Steed and Mary, who Mary is Steed's wife, who he was in like an arranged marriage and who he left for, like he left the country for. Um, and they had kids together, but it was not a happy marriage. And like, I really love the fact that one that like they felt it was necessary to go back and give her her own moment and show who she had become as a result of this and like and the fact because because I consume so much BL and like East Asian queer content it is an incredibly popular trope that the other woman is like depicted as like a hag like she is a character character of a woman who's like either like pissed off that this person is now gay or like just it, it goes like overwrought and emotional and just is an awful human being when you go back and mary's like dealing with emotions of the fact that like steed has now decided to re-enter her life when she, he left it it was his choice yeah. to leave and like is dealing with those emotions so of course she's fucking pissed but like isn't dealing with it like she's an awful human being like you're not supposed to see her in a bad light you you are intentionally she is depicted in a way that you feel for her you feel yeah. her experience and you identify with her experience and go oh fuck yeah that's shitty so I, I i really like that and i also like there's a there was a bunch of people when the last episodes happened which in the basically after after they get captured, Steed and Ed get captured, they decide to escape and Ed waits at the dock and Steed is come making his way down and then runs into the guy whose brother he killed and ends up accidentally killing him and freaks out and goes home. And yeah. a lot of people I saw said that they didn't understand why Steed makes, didn't, why he went back, why he didn't go away. And I really, to me, it made absolute sense why he went back. He wasn't his own person. He didn't, he'd never made a choice in his life that was his own. He didn't exist as a human. And like, he was still tied with Mary. And that's the whole thing is like, understandable then why Mary was pissed at him for coming back because yeah. he chose to leave. Like he done, didn't understand that his actions have consequence and that he needed to, take ownership for what he was doing so yeah and it's also the idea of like you making your choice and like willingly leaving but then like coming back and then expecting others to react in the way that's positive towards you when you're the one who did the i guess caused the harm in the first mm -hmm. place yeah. And it's just like 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 expect expecting everything to be fine because you're fine with it when that's not truly the case for everybody else. Well, and he wasn't fine with it. That's the thing, too. He wasn't fine with it. He's like, oh, expecting them to be fine with it, but he wasn't fine with the fact he came back because he didn't de process the fact that he was in love with Ed. And so he was unhappy too. And was like, Well, everybody should be like cool with me coming back then because it's my duty. Well, no, that's not how this works. And I also just find it funny because for me, if he had gone with Ed, then they would not have survived as a couple. Like they would not, in my head, they would not have lasted. Mm -hmm. 
there would absolutely have not have lasted because Steed didn't know how to express who he was and what he wanted from life. So, and Mary taught him that, that he can and should and think about and not just be concerned of like how people perceive him, but actually like think about the impact his actions have on others. Yeah. Yeah. It's important. Yeah. I think it's, it's important just as people in general to think about how your actions impact others. That I think that's yeah. a, I yeah. what part of that scene does highlight. And I think that's something that needs to be carried through in everybody's personal life. Because I think we, a lot of times, like I said, we, we jump in back into things and expect everybody to react the way that we want them when that's not really how yeah. every, everybody else has the things going on in their head and we need to be respectful of that. So anyways... Yeah, well, I, yeah, and that's... I'll, I'll that's, say, not going to say all of it now, but that scene and that idea of it really impacted me. <laughs> yeah, because I think, too, the thing that people tend to forget is they think they're being empathetic when they're thinking about how other people perceive them. But in actuality, it's not. It's being... It can be very selfish at times. There are times when you... The difference between thinking about how other people think versus thinking about how other people see you is that, like, do you want an apology? Do you want forgiveness? Is forgiveness for you or is it for someone else? That's yes. the thing to think about in this case is that he wanted forgiveness for leaving, but he, she doesn't have to give it. Like, people don't have to give forgiveness because it's yeah. it's for the person who wants it. Like, it's yeah, not he, for yeah, yeah, he wanted it so that he would feel better, not thinking about, like, the impact that he had on her. Exactly. So, yeah. yeah. And, I, and I think that's a lot of people have that mindset of like wanting people to forgive them for themselves and not really thinking about the other side of the forgiveness there. But, you yeah. know, it's a completely different topic. <laughs> yeah. So, it, yeah. And it was just a nice moment. Anyways. Peace. Yeah. The yeah. impact on the media. Yeah. Let's talk about how the show. Look, look, I know so much about the show. I can give yeah, you I all you the do. straight facts, all the facts. So, so you can give all the what facts? All the straight facts. Interesting that facts, you say that for gay a gay facts. TV show. The queer facts. I can give you all you the give queer all facts. The straight facts. Like, huh. Yeah. So basically, if you didn't hear about this show before, like if you didn't hear about this show until after it came out, that's not surprising. Why is it not surprising? Because they did absolutely zero advertising for this show. The amount of advertising they did pre to the show was next to non-existent. It was very clear that HBO Max did not expect the show to succeed and were probably going to cancel it. Um, what ended up happening, though, is the LG, literally the LGBT community passed the show around by word of mouth. It then became the number one show on all of television for 10 straight weeks. 10 straight weeks, that's insane for a show that had zero advertising. This yeah. show went bananas. And it is almost entirely because of the LGBT community, LGBT plus community. Like, it was insane. I was part of that thing. TikTok was going crazy about it. Like, everything was just this show mm. and everybody was watching it. Except then I would go to commute, I would go to my friends who aren't LGBT and aren't on TikTok and they'd not have heard of this. They'd never have heard of it. But I was like, this is all I've been seeing for weeks. For yeah. weeks. Everybody's been talking about this. 
But if you're outside of that, you didn't hear about it because it was it was it was being propelled by that. And it went so big. It went so big that it like basically forced HBO after two months to finally renew it. Like that it was basically we held a, a knife to HBO's throat and did that. So it was it does show you the see sheer that power. in the pirate mood. Oh, uh, yes, we held a knife to HBO's throne. We demanded Arr. answers. Arr. Arr. Um, it just shows the power that a segment of a population has. And that it reminds me of a video I saw the other day that shows that, like, you do not have to have a, a show that appeals to the mass market to be able to achieve the same numbers as a mass market. Because if you draw enough of that minority, then it can equate to the exact same thing. Someone the other day, I was saying, I watched a video of, did the equation for Asian Americans, where they calculated out the number of Asian Americans in the US. And if they did a show that was directly for Asian Americans, I think they were talking in relation to everything everywhere at once, and it's winning stuff. And they were like, if you did it, and it wasn't designed as a show that like let white people see into culture, but was just for Asian Americans, didn't have to do that introductory aspect. The amount of like percentage of the population you would need to go see to get that movie to equate the same numbers as an average blockbuster movie was like 1% of the population of the yeah. Asian American population. It was like next, it was very low numbers. And so I think this is one of those cases of like, we should take this and it look at the power that a minority can have in creating markets and, and mobilizing. And that hopefully, probably not, but I would hope that some of the industry execs learn from this experience. And, and that's the thing is that these shows face like a, a big obstacle. The shows, movies, all this face a big obstacle. And that's the industry execs. That's corporate side of all this stuff where they don't necessarily believe that these things can sell. And that's why we don't see a lot of them. That's why like when things like that are minority led, rather that be um, racial minorities or, um, uh, LGBTQ stuff or, or um, based off disability, et cetera, et cetera, whether it be any of that stuff, they, they don't think it sells because they still believe that the people who are going to end up watching these things are predominantly white men. And so they don't push these things forward. Like we saw after Black Panther um, came out and destroyed the blockbuster, we saw like private messages between industry execs and all that stuff saying it's like oh yeah we don't want this to go forward because we don't think it's going to do as well as our other movies that are led by white men and again and again but then what we also are seeing this trend is that they're um excuse my language fucking wrong again and yeah. again and again that they're wrong about that that the fans of these things come out for this. The, pe the people, the target audiences come out for that because people love seeing themselves represented on screen. And it doesn't matter if the thing is a smaller show about gay pirates or it's a larger Marvel movie about black warriors in Africa. These things will sell because people want to see more of them. Yeah. It doesn't matter what the execs believe. The trend 
the trend lines show that this is the type of media that people want to experience. It it requires it requires these added zags shifting how they're viewing the economics of this, and rather than appealing to a broader white audience, which has a major- majority of the population in the U.S., they instead should be conceiving of their audience differently and marketing towards rather than a broad spectrum that they could market towards a segment of that and just try and aim for a higher seg higher popul like a higher percentage of the segment yeah like you, and that requires a shift in thinking but that's you know neither here nor there but i will tell you let me tell you some other facts let me tell you some other facts that just show the power of the show okay fan fiction for the show took off and why is this important jordan why is this important for the show specifically? I'm not going to tell you why. It's important because this is an LGBT plus show. Yeah. This is, the, the fact is, is if you don't know that I think it's like 95% of fan fiction is written by female femme presenting and LGBT plus people. Those are who write, it's the, it's the girls, the gays and the bays. They're the ones writing fan fiction. Um, and so the, the fan fiction took off took off even when the show was going i was seeing tiktoks of people literally refreshing their page like once a day on the our flag means death like tag for ao3 which is one of the largest fan fiction websites and it would go up by like 500 like hundreds of people writing thousands of words every day like it's big it is now, overall, in 2022, it is the fifth ship overall. So, Ed, and I'm talking Edward Teach, Blackbeard, oh, and Steve Bonnet. Itself. Okay. No, no, I'm talking about the pairing is fifth on AOE out of all, all. That's insane. That is insane. It aired for the month of March. Just letting you know, here's the facts. The AO3 roundup for the year, which goes from July 31st, 2021 to August 4th, 2022, from August 4th, from March, the beginning of March to August 4th, 7,574 fics were written. Imagine each of those six is at least probably a thousand words. That's an insane amount of writing. That's an insane amount of writing, considering, like, that's way higher than the average. That's way higher than the average. And as of December 30th, which is when I wrote this fact, 11,215 Ed Steed fix, putting it into the top, the top ship of all time. Like, that is in the top ship rankings of all time even more so than for the year. I I looked at the I looked at the numbers for last year for top ship rankings and I think that puts it in the top like 10. No, wait, hold on. Yeah, it puts it in the top 100 at least, which is crazy. That's crazy for a show that has been out for less than a year. Yeah. That's just showing that like the fact that people are willing to write hundreds of thousands of words for to express their joy in the show is just insane. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, and the fan art is great. 
Yeah, there's yeah. there's quite a bit of fan art on Instagram and everywhere else. <laughs> yeah, I just think it's fun to like use. You can use fan fiction as a way to gauge how like engaged people are in these fandoms because oh my god, that's insane. I've, I've got to tell you, zero shows, zero shows had this impact in 2022. Like other than this show, this show is this show went blew people's minds. Yeah, and yeah. and one of the other things that was really cool. Unless you have things to say on no, the fanfiction. Uh, is that one of the things that like was so great about this is that a large portion of the actors in this were relatively new actors or unknown actors. And there was a huge number of like fan interactions and like leading up to the renewal as well. Also, like people discovering that Reese Darby is a leading man because he's never been a leading man before in a TV show and doesn't think he deserves it. Like it's the, it's the most adorable thing it's crazy um but like there was huge fan interactions of like people telling um oh my god the actor who plays jim that they're like quick target has the th- has this mug that you want because they showed on tiktok they're like oh they have this orange mug because oranges are really important to the show and then they were like but it's out and then people were telling them where to go get it and they would go or the person uh, roach the cook put out a recipe for their 40 orange cake and then people made it and then they showcased it and there was a huge amount of interaction going on between these actors and even Reese Darby and like Tekabatiti, like he, people were losing their minds because he liked several of the people who got tattoos, like, and their posts and stuff like that. It was, it was hugely like in like combining these things. And it was, it's great because like it's led to just like more input from fans and that like it's gotten to the point too that like there's fan headcanon. We're like in the fan art space. Oh, this was my favorite thing this this past year. In the fan art space, people have collectively decided, not through like a collective agreement, it just happened, that Steed Bonnet in season two is going to have a beard or some form of facial hair. It's just what it started happening. The reunion scenes, they were like, it's gonna ha- he's gonna have facial hair. It's basically almost been confirmed that he is going to that they filmed him season two with facial hair. Like there, there are shots from behind the scene that basically hint that. And people are like, this fandom brought it like this headcanon became canon because people were like, Oh my God, what if he had a beard? Yeah. And it's, it was, it's, yeah, it's just some really, if you want to look at the evolving nature of like how a fandom starts, this was probably one of the best examples you could look at for it to happen. Yeah. Because it was very natural and it was a lot of interaction and a lot of people doing wonderful things and it felt very wholesome to be in, gonna be honest. Yeah. Oh, sounds like it. Yeah. Uh, did you have anything to say about the impact? <laughs> no, I my stuff's for later. Keep going. Okay. Well, the uh, the only other thing is that there's like it is a little worrisome with HBO Max and their whole ongoing situation because the show has filmed a season two, but HBO Max is now taken to canceling shows that are in production. So that's a thing, but hopefully it'll be okay. And yeah, the last is the reminder for to be critical of media because the only kind of bad thing that did end up happening is because these are based on real people 
Similar to like the Hamilton effect, where people I, was about like, to, I was just about to bring up Hamilton. Like, yeah, so exactly the yeah. same thing that happened with Hamilton. He's not a it rapping is... black guy. Surprise. Yeah, so people took it and then were like, ooh, let's celebrate these people and said, Steve Bonnet, yeah. No, Steve Bonnet, not a good person. Own slaves. Don't celebrate f- historical figures just because of these portrayals. They are not fact. This is not how it goes. Like yeah. it, this also tends to happen with um, Greek tale, Greek folk tale, whatever retellings, Greek myth retellings. Is that people are like, yeah, these things are great, and I'm like, yeah, but remember the original media. It's not good. It's not good. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, it's just to understand that a lot of these things, especially shows like this, they're they're fictional retellings. Like I remember when The Greatest Showman came out, people were like, oh wow, P.T. Barnum, great guy. I was like, no, not at no. all. No, the, the exact opposite of that. But he's portrayed by Hugh Jackman and portrayed in this like very positive light because it's a work of fiction. We like, we can yeah. um, use a little bit of escapism to have just a fun time with some of these historical figures and some of these characters like like with the hamilton stuff like with this show and others but like it's not reality and i think part of it if you do want to like are excited about these characters and excited about the stories that happen do like dive in and like look it up and just don't be surprised if the things that you end up reading about people and characters are not how they are portrayed in these shows, because sometimes you'll find some horrific stuff. I I mean, like Taika Waititi is like an a, like an an indigenous man from like I he's an island Pacific Island. No, God, I can't remember the location. He's an indigenous man, and that's the and the fact of the matter is is that that's not what Blackbeard was. He didn't have an Australian accent. Tiger Rotiti has said, because there's literally nothing known about him that's true, he didn't feel the need to study. <laughs> so, like, they're not based, they're not real. They're not real. No. These are not real portrayals. But the yeah. fact of the matter, what is real, is cool, is that they did travel together for a long period of time, and who knows? They could have been gay, who knows? We don't fucking care. But what it has allowed us to do is tell really cool stories about, that include different LGBT representation, combating queer baiting, and, like, yeah, just a good time. Yeah. It's it's a fictional show that you're allowed to enjoy. That's what, yeah. what it comes down to. Okay, now my time to speak during the yeah. impact of media. Like I said, the scene at the end of the show um, with Mary and Steed, like that, did that was impacted by that because again, I was looking at this whole idea of like someone willingly leave and then come back and expecting them to themselves to have a place in others' lives when they kind of they 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 wronged other people in a way and they're like expecting everything to be fine because they are becoming fine with things and expect forgiveness for certain things and so this whole idea kind of twisted and turned in my mind and eventually came out as a horror story that i read for (laughs) my other podcast world shop so it it was it makes me laugh because such a light-hearted and fun show birthed um a horror story about murder for me but i i really enjoy this and i think that you can be influenced by any type of art and create any type of art from that like i i wasn't influenced to create comedy 
from it and that's okay i made a horror story other people make their own ideas and i think whatever influences you to perform and create your own art that's fine and go ahead and don't be like oh well it's not a comedy so this isn't valid it's fine yeah whatever you want to create from it and yeah it was just a really good show and it did it did have its stay in my life for a little bit but yeah i enjoyed it yeah yeah i'm glad you watched it i'm very happy you did because it had such a deep impact on me and for me sharing recommendations is a big form of love for me and that's yeah it's uh it it also goes to show that whole thing of like even if it's outside your comfort zone show it watching different things in consuming different this isn't at you this is in general to Mm. people is to consume different types of media to put forth and create your creative processes because I think that's one of the things I've realized recently is that I've read a shit ton of books, a lot of similar genres, but I also like have read a lot of anthropology stuff and a lot about the real world and I know about different types of people. And so that generally has been an incredibly positive experience for me and just helps my writing and helps me develop as a person is, is, is that I know a lot about human experiences and that's important don't forget to do that so if you're having trouble maybe try try a different genre try to actively diversify your bookshelves and actively diversify your media and intake and or like learn about different aspects of culture that you don't know about yeah yeah good to do that and i think alongside of that is just to continue what Leah is saying is to if you are sitting there only watching a certain type of TV show, like, oh, I like action, I'm only watching action, maybe like go out, watch this show, and maybe it's not your thing, but at least you tried. Yeah. But, yeah. I yeah. mean, look, again, I'm not the biggest fan of comedy, which is hilarious as we're going to get to the what have we been doing recently thing. Hmm. And yeah. I'll go first since I set that up. Um, I changed mine at the last second. Also, Leah, since last episode that is getting released, um, you did too, so I'm doing two. Screw you. Um, oh, that's fine. That's always allowed. <laughs> I know. I just want to say. It. Um, so yeah. I ended up watching the TV show Sherman Showcase with a bunch of friends, and what that is, it's it's it is a parody of all those shows like Soul Train and like Behind the Music and things like that, where it's following like a Soul Train esque show and it's like filmed in like the mockumentary style like behind the music but well it's filmed like behind the music but it is mockumentary but it's following this guy sherman who had his own like top 80s like bandstand type show like featuring black artists and it's it's a very it's very funny like i said even though i'm not the biggest fan of comedy stuff outside of shot comedy it's very funny because it does play on a lot of like the music at the time a lot of like the type of musicians that existed back in like the um 70s 80s 90s um and then also does some weird things with time travel for no reason which is really funny um frederick douglas is literally a character in this show um and it's it's just really goofy and it's very it's a very black show written for people who like enjoyed these types of things back in the day and um is very self-referential and like makes fun of a lot of just fun ideas that exist so i enjoyed sherman showcase quite a bit do you think i would like it yeah probably actually i think i think you would okay it's 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 really fun i'll add it to my list 
Um, and then the other thing that I watched was I've been watching a lot of anime and I apologize to everybody who has to listen to me talk like this. Um, but I recently watched the show Michiko and Hachin, which was done by the same people who made, um, Samurai Shampoo. And I think the same and a couple of the same people who worked on Cowboy Bebop as well, but it follows, um, this girl Hachin or Hana who, um, is taken in by this woman who is a, I guess a criminal on the run and they are going on an adventure to find Hana's dad, who is this criminal Michiko's ex lover. And they want, kind of want to find this person, like create a family together. And it's a very, it's a, it's a fun show kind of follows some of the similar themes to Samurai Shenflu, but is set in um, Brazil. And so it's very diverse and you get an anime that gets dark skin, black and other characters right like as far as it comes to the art and like behavior and not showing these characters as just being stereotypes and i and i thought it was mm. a really fun and really good anime to watch that's awesome i love that yeah, yeah I so, love those that. Are, so two are two big ones for me yeah i i have i have i have two things to say as well but one of them's an aside so if anybody remembers long ago i extolled the virtues of the webtoon airs game uh it's done now so if you're the type of person who only likes to read things when they're done it's finished go check it out the ending was just as good it was so well done uh there's like the diversity of the characters the author's great like uh, uh, the storylines uh anyways it's done so please go read it because i need people to talk about it with um uh, the but the real thing I this week is I consumed so many books over Christmas, so many books, um, basically to the extent of I did nothing else. Um, and my big thing is I have a new favorite author, T. Kingfisher. Um, I read like I'm now determined that I'm going to read every single one of their books this year. That is that is my goal for the year. Um, and I'm making good progress. I read one, two, three, four. I read in the past, like two months, I've read like six of them. So yeah, but their writing style reminds me a bit of Terry Pratchett in a way. They're slightly like, they're, they're funny, they're witty, sassy, almost all like female leads or dual perspective fantasy. Some, they do horror books as well. They're not usually very long which is great if you're not into like dealing with honking huge books but like these beautifully told stories that are like super like they're like poignant and and have beautifully written dialogue and <laughs> that's not like exclusionary that's like easy to read but like oh my god the amount i identify with these characters um it's a great time. If you are into like romance, I would recommend the Saint of Saints of Steel trilogy, which is uh, Paladin's Grace, Paladin's Strength, and Paladin's Hope. Very good, slightly spicy, very good series, very good characters. But if you like horror, I would recommend What Moves the Dead, which is a re a retelling of Edgar Allan Poe's The Fall of the House of Usher. It's very good. I I very much enjoyed it. The imagery was interesting. Also has a lot of cool things about it, including a non-binary lead. Um, 
And though the one that I really liked and I've shared with multiple people now is Nettle and Bone, which is like a folklore inspired one, has things like grave witches and like, yeah, it's hard to describe. It's basically this princess who was raised, who spent most of her life, though, in a nunnery, um, basically like trying to save her, her sister from her husband and it it like weaves in so much different folklore and stuff it's so cool and it's like slightly dark so yeah yeah that's, good. that's i i love it i highly recommend it to anyone the writing is just amazing it's so good so yeah that's good glad yeah. glad you've been doing your thing you've you have read at a some lot point, of books <laughs> at some point you'll read what what moves the dead i because no. you will definitely like it no, no, no. it's horror no. it's horror yeah. You know I'm joking. It's right? horror, sir. Yeah. I know. Yeah, I love horrors. Um, <laughs> that's gonna come for the show. Um, anyways, Leah. <laughs> okay, I, I is, is there is there anything else you would like to discuss before I close out the show? No, I'm good. Okay. Well, this has been yet another episode of the Side Characters Podcast. Um, you can catch us. At, I'll post all of our information in the descriptions, but yeah, we have an email address and we have a Twitter, even though that freaking thing has completely died. I mean, Twitter. Maybe we'll move to Mastodon. Maybe maybe I'll jump off a bridge. Um, Yeah, but you can check (laughs) us out um, on our Twitter and we'll probably eventually move somewhere else that's more friendly for people. (laughs) But yeah, that's been the show and we will see you guys next time. Thanks. Bye. Bye.